0: Hello podcast listeners, I'm Jill McCormick And I'm Robin Wall
1: And this is Afraid Not, episode 38 And we're so glad that you are listening today Our guest today is Kim Kusimano, An amazing woman that is going to inspire you And touch your heart today in her story Kim and her husband adopted four children from Korea
0: And two of them have severe special needs So she shares a lot with us today about being the parents of special needs children, how to manage that,
1: one with mental illness, and what that looks like on their end of it. Something that was pretty special that Kim shared is that how, how she and her husband have relied so much on the Lord and have seen Him pour out His joy on them every single morning. And she mentioned Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, which says, Because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And God has been so faithful to the Cusimano family and He has just shown in many ways, He's spoken to them and revealed to them what to do and they've obeyed and they are filled with joy despite the fact that their circumstances are not easy. So their story has inspired us so much. We hope that you love this story and we're glad you're listening in. Thank you, Kim, for
0: driving all the way out here to visit with us tonight.
1: We're well, welcome. I'm happy to be here. We are so glad you're here. Would you get us started tonight
2: with just telling our listeners a little bit about you? Introduce yourself to us. Sure. Um I've been married for about 28 years. I think my husband and I would agree on a year if we're having a good memory day. (laughs) Um, We have four children, which impacts our memory, whether it's a good day or not. (laughs) It does. Um, So our four children range from age from 23 down to almost a 16-year-old. So we've been trying to survive driver's ed as our recent adventure. I've been there, done that. Our our youngest just got her license. I know what you mean. (laughs) Aside from being a busy mom of four, I started uh, teaching right out of college, and it seems like God has always woven that in my path. I taught public school right out of college, elementary, and then stayed home with our children and then returned to teaching in a private school. And then uh, pulled a couple of my children, did some homeschooling for a few years. And then that season passed and I was home for another matter of years. And then um in recent past I taught uh in a like a special ed program for a couple of years as more like an assistant. I had my teaching license in Oklahoma, but not for the years that we lived in Texas. So um, I was like a paraprofessional in special ed and Mm -hmm. it was a whole nother world. And so teaching has always been kind of woven in my life. But uh, of our children, two of our children have special needs and now they're young adults. And so my husband and I are starting to navigate a new season of how to care and take care of our special needs young adult children. So that's really the thing that's on our plate now, but I've always enjoyed teaching in different capacities. Sometimes even women's Bible studies woven in there, some seasons. And now I feel like I teach at home like it really does take teaching just to help our special needs adults. And so um, I ride a little bit as a hobby, and I've been trying to do a little more of that as just a personal outlet as mm-hmm. we take care of our kids. And so that's kind of the season we're in.
0: So is it your two oldest that have
2: uh, It factors? is actually my two oldest, yes. Uh, our oldest is our son, and he's 23. Um, Nate has something called charge syndrome. It's, um, it's not very common. It's not very many people have heard about it, but uh, he's got a big personality. He's really... Friendly and lovable, and he has a few unique characteristics. And like one thing about charge syndrome is, a lot of times one of their eyes will not develop properly. So uh, when Nate was uh, before he was born in utero, his right kidney didn't develop, and his right eye didn't develop. So Nate wears a prosthetic eye, and he's got pretty good sense of humor about that. He'll occasionally just pop it out and. Hand it to someone (laughs) if they really want to see it. Oh, my goodness. So, um, anyway, he has some characteristics that are similar to Asperger's. He... Fixates on his hobbies and things, and Mm -hmm. uh, the last few years been Elvis. So, he made made a belt out an Elvis song for you. I got Hound Dog uh, down. It's so endearing.
1: Do you all just enjoy that and just let Um, it? It is fun.
2: This last fall, my husband and I took him to Graceland as our first trip to travel with just him by himself. So it was a whole weekend of Elvis, and he had saved up a lot of money to buy some. Elvis clothing. Mm -hmm. And then as a side note, our children are all adopted from Korea. So mine is a Korean version of Elvis. So it's like nothing you've probably ever seen before. (laughs) Um, He likes to perform his songs for friends and family. So if you visit our home, he might do a gig for you. Um, (laughs) But he works part time. He He doesn't drive. And so I may be a chauffeur still till I can, till my driving age holds out. Uh, so I take Nate to work and things like that. But he does special needs bowling group, special needs mm-hmm. dance group. And uh, he works at Water Burger, So he's really proud of their burgers. <laughs> and uh, the customers there really like him. He works a set schedule every week during lunch hour. So he's a little famous there sometimes. And, mm-hmm. um, then our daughter is getting ready to turn 21. And she has had more intellectual challenges, um, more types of delays and learning issues, and then in childhood really was diagnosed with uh, mental illness issues. So from the time she was young, we've dealt with that. And for a period of time in childhood, really responded well to medications. And then uh, onset of adolescence has been a real change for, for her. So... We've seen her decline some and between adolescence and now young adult. So she does take nearly full time care. So as a family, mm-hmm. we work together to mm-hmm. uh, take care of her. So, so
1: all four of them are adopted from Korea?
2: All four of them are adopted. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. So. I'd like to hear if we can rewind into the story. I would love to hear how you and your husband first were drawn to adopt from Korea.
2: Well, I always tell people it really was um, an answer to prayer. And uh, when the Bible says, ask God for wisdom and he will give it, it's a time in our life that we had started praying about whether we would pursue infertility uh, options or adoption. And at the time, uh, we really didn't know anyone who had adopted in any of our near circles. I chuckle at that now because, of course, we have many adoptive family friends and things like that. But uh, at the time, I was teaching um, second grade there in Norman, Oklahoma, right out of graduating from OU, a few years out from graduation, and was teaching school. And at the time that the new school year was getting ready to start, our uh, church was calling a new music pastor. And... When he was introducing his family and um, talking about them possibly coming, and it wasn't a for sure thing that they would be coming, but he was introducing his family. And said they were also waiting on a little girl from Korea. And Mm -hmm. so at that time, many years ago, it would still go to a church vote about a a staff position. Mm -hmm. And so I turned to my husband and I said, I don't care if he can sing. I want to know about the little girl coming from (laughs) Korea. So I said, I'm voting yes. Um, So after they... That sealed the vote. Yeah, it sealed the vote. So within just a few weeks of that family getting on scene at the church, when I felt comfortable, I approached them and asked about the adoption they had referenced. And then school got underway and, and walked my second grade classroom, this beautiful little Korean girl and right behind her, her very Caucasian mother, (laughs) and so I knew I couldn't pounce on them really quickly either, so I gave that a few weeks, Um, and even though those two families did not know each other, the music director had moved. uh, He was changing churches, but within the state, and so they had used an adoption agency in Tulsa, and then when I met the uh, family at the school, they had used the same agency. Mm -hmm. So when Joe and I had started to pray, these two families, it was just within two or three week window of time. So I said to my teacher friend, I said, you know, these two families we're meeting, they both use this uh, international adoption agency. And she said, you know, it sounds so familiar. I, I think maybe a family at our church... Maybe that's the adoption agency they use. So she said, uh, "Call this lady," and she wrote down the number and said, "Tell her you're my good friend." So I did. I called this stranger, who's uh, Paula, and so a friend, a dear friend of mine to this day, uh, told her who I was and told her I had questions about adoption. And she knew the family who I had the little girl in my classroom. She did not know the new family to our church community. And so, uh, it was all three the same.
1: Wow! And so
2: Joe and I agreed that God had been very consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that like God, yeah. he
1: will speak through circumstances. Yeah, it was so very clearly. clear.
2: Yes. And when people ask if we would have adopted, uh, any child in any other way, our answer is always yes. Whatever, mm-hmm. whatever God really laid before us, we would do. So, um, they had an information meeting from that agency, and we trotted on over there one weekend, and the rest is kind of history. So, Wow.
0: That's awesome. So did you know with your first one, did you know when you adopted him that he would have special needs?
2: Yes. Actually, we did, but we uh, did not know about our second daughter. Right. Yeah. So our first one, um, gosh, girls, I just get going on the God stories. I don't know. Well, <laughs> let's keep them coming.
1: I, I want to hear. I don't know that I can. We want to hear.
2: Um, So like many people are aware, when you adopt, you go through a home study and Mm -hmm. uh, much paperwork and many steps to be approved. And so my husband and I had done all the months of leading up to being approved to uh, get assigned a waiting child. And so at the time, many moons ago, 20-some years ago, if there was a special needs child that the agency, um, it's kind of like they waited on the Korean agency to assign them Uh, babies, and then they would assign to the families. So if there were special needs children, they would actually put them in a letter in the mailbox, and all the waiting families that were approved received the letter. So if it was for a, a typical child or baby assignment, it was a numerical order, but everybody on the numerical list would receive the special needs letter. And then they took those calls and in order, So if a family called and said, saw the baby in the letter and were interested, they would give them a little window of time to pray about it and think it over. And if they had additional medical information, they would release it to them. Um, so we received this letter, and it had two special needs babies, um, a couple paragraphs about each one. And my husband said, no. <laughs> um, he said, no, we just got approved. And he, he was very excited about adopting, but he wasn't quite as quick to just jump off the cliff. And so I was just ready for whatever baby I just thought belonged to us. Mm-hmm. So he said, uh, no, I think we need to just be calm and just wait. And our son's Nate, his medical description was pretty intimidating It basically said he had no right eye (laughs) and it said he would need open heart surgery and et cetera, et cetera. And it was pretty frightening to read about it. it. And so um, there was another, the other child in the letter did not have quite as extensive medical issues. So we lived in Norman. The agency was in Tulsa. And my family, grandparents, parents lived up in North Oklahoma, uh, near Ponca City, Oklahoma. And so even though I obeyed my husband, so to speak, and did (laughs) not call the agency, about two weeks later, my grandmother needed open heart surgery and they sent her to Tulsa. And funny enough, when my grandfather had health issues, his doctor had always sent him to Oklahoma City. Um, So when I knew my grandma was going to have open heart surgery, I was going to travel from Norman to Tulsa. And I said to my husband, I said, I could stop by that office in person and ask about those babies. It wouldn't be like (laughs) calling on the phone. And he basically said, you're going to do it anyway, aren't you? (laughs) I, I said, I'll be right there, like by their office. So... I did. I went to see my grandma in the hospital, went by the adoption agency office in person. I did not call before I came. I just walked in and I asked to see our caseworker. And um, When I asked her about the babies in the letter, she said, oh, the the one with the lesser medical needs, families had called. That was a little girl and families had called on her. And without giving me any chance to pause, our son Nate's picture was on her desk. And in one motion, she picked it up and said, but did you consider the little boy? And because his right eye hadn't developed, it looked like he was winking. The right eye was kind of closed. <laughs> and so I agreed to take his picture and told her that I didn't think my husband would be too supportive of that. us. Yeah, yeah, that we weren't ready. That was really my husband's concern. Mm-hmm. This is first time adoptive parents, we wouldn't be ready. So I showed up home with this little boy's picture. And my husband was still like, No, I, I don't think we should. So um, the lady at the agency had asked if we weren't interested, would we please mail back the picture? And again, back where they didn't just hit print and print out as many as they wanted, they just had a few copies of it. And she said, just be easier. Would I send it back? So I had set Nate's picture on my husband's dresser (laughs) and (laughs) propped him up there looking really cute. Subtle
1: clue. Yeah.
2: And so (laughs) Nate's picture sat there for about a week. And one morning, I was getting ready to... uh, We were dressing for work. I was teaching school. And... I kind of sarcastically whipped up the picture and he said, what are you doing? And I said, I I told the lady I would mail it back. And he said, oh, I guess we could call and find out about what all this means when a baby doesn't have an eye and all this stuff. (laughs) So I said, really? And he said, oh, I guess there's no harm in checking. And so- um, So we opened the door. yeah, Yeah, opened the door and I made some calls to doctors and- Everybody gave their thumbs up that the little boy deserved a home, and so Nate came home a few months later.
0: So, oh, that's so beautiful.
2: That's awesome. So let's
0: talk a little bit about your daughter, your second born.
2: Yeah, Anna, um, she did. She had a label. It wasn't a, a medical label like our son. She had an at-risk label that was attached to her case because her birth mother had had... Um, some health issues herself, and had had basically no prenatal care, had lived in poverty, and some things that put Anna at risk when she was born. Um, There was very limited information that pointed to that her mother may have had mental health issues as well. But uh, after reading and praying, and it was the early days of Google, and we Googled a few things, and decided that, you know, she was our daughter. And so, uh, Anna came home, and was just a stunningly beautiful little baby girl with just amazing skin tone that I had, would always have envied as such a <laughs> pale gal, <laughs> And long eyelashes that touched her forehead nearly. And mm-hmm. she did really well until about age four. And then we just started to notice red flags about, um, she didn't communicate as well, she didn't answer open-ended questions, she didn't express herself very well. And um, there were just many red flags that we Mm -hmm. began to collect. And so because her brother, our son Nate, had had some therapists and doctors in his life, we had some people we could ask questions to. And so that started a journey of a lot of tests and doctor's appointments. And um, by the time Anna was about five, one of the first things they told us was she was very intellectually challenged. So that was kind of our first emotional hurdle to get mm-hmm. over. And then by age seven, she got an official diagnosis of onset of childhood schizophrenia, which schizophrenia in children in its truest form is very rare. Yes. Uh, and it was very frightening too. Mm-hmm.
1: How did you and your husband react to the
2: diagnosis? Um, I think we both reacted different, like is sometimes common in marriage where you both grieve differently, taken in information differently, process things differently. He is a researcher and a, a high-tech guy, and he went right to his keyboard and, you know, research for hours. Um, he had a tendency to protect himself more with the negative. He wanted to know what all the worst case would be. And I really up before our kids, I wouldn't have considered myself such an optimist, but I realized compared to my husband, which I tease him that he, that I guess I am because I didn't (laughs) want to always jump to worst case case scenario. Um, so that was one thing is that he dealt with, with information and he was not near as expressive. And I dealt with it a lot more talk with girlfriends, a few more tears. Um, I had a determination that I thought we could make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, more doctor's appointments, any, anything we could do, I thought we could fix it, especially as young as she was. Um, and so today, we, it's, it's kind of like facing grief again. We faced it in early years. She responded well to uh, one of the initial medications. Mm-hmm. And now as an adult, as she's lost some of her abilities... I I feel now like sometimes I'm facing grief, just kind of like a second layer. Mm. So mm-hmm. that's one thing today I really pray and ask God uh, just to help me through that process.
0: Mm. So she responded well to the medication, and so you had a few years there where everything seemed normal? We
2: did. Um, around age four where she really started, she did talk to herself a great deal, mm-hmm. like responding to like auditory-type hallucinations or things she thought she was hearing. And um, it wasn't dark. It wasn't frightening. It um, wasn't—there are different kinds of hallucinations. Some can be scary or paranoid, sometimes things like we see in movies or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hers was much more subtle. She would—it was different than child play or imaginative play. But yet it was usually quiet. Sometimes she giggled to herself and was very happy with... We, we often called it her own world. Mm-hmm. But she would make facial expressions and things as if she was talking to someone else. Um, one of the biggest things that helped us was we began to take little video clips of her. That, that really helped us as we consulted doctors and specialists and things. And so at the first... Uh, medication that they started her on, it quieted all that for her. She could think better. She started to communicate more. In fact, it was really quite amazing. And so we had about seven years there where our family ticked along pretty well. We traveled, we took vacations. It in in many ways did not affect our day-to-day life so much. Um, she had a few learning challenges, but that was that seemed minor. So we could mm-hmm. jump those hurdles and had great teachers and supportive families and things. Um, but then adolescence began to make such a difference. And sure. so uh, the medicine she'd been on for so long in childhood become a little less effective. And so trying to, ch- uh, trying to try new medications and a lot of these were very powerful type drugs and things that would have a lot of side effects and things. Mm-hmm. And so, we have we're still in the middle of trying to find the best combination for her so it's it's been a time of coming off of some great years and realizing that we it's going to be a long journey mm-hmm.
1: so. and a long process of elimination I'm sure to mm-hmm. try this
0: and sure.
2: with,
1: with this now try this
0: with right. this was it hard to get a
2: diagnosis when she was that young you know, uh one of the keys were actually those videos. Mm-hmm. Um when we we started to see some specialists, not just like a a general practitioner, like we eventually was referred to. Well, at first we were sent to like um like neuropsychologist type uh physicians and uh, she had like a like a full day of extensive testing. And then that team of doctors and people that did a day workup said we needed to consult pediatric psychiatry. And they had taken that video and uh, analyzed it. And really one of their first responses, they'd never seen anything quite like it for her age. Mm -hmm. And so we were then uh, went on to see pediatric psychiatry. And um, her first doctor was very warm, very caring, and took it very seriously uh, she did say that a lot of times parents worry about things like this that are really very unusual and not really what the true diagnosis would be. We did wonder about things like autism and things like that, and the, the uh, team of neurodoctors and the extensive testing ruled that out. And so um, because her doctors were at the University of Oklahoma and it was a teaching university, they even took those videos and asked permission to put it before review boards and things, and um, every doctor that's ever seen them has concurred with the mm-hmm.
1: diagnosis.
2: So it, it appears
1: on the video as if she's just having an imaginary friend talk to her, or
2: is she's um, having a
1: conversation, or
2: yeah, sometimes there's a little different kinds of ranges of. Sometimes she's using repetitive speech. It may be part of a movie or song that you recognize. And then other times it is responding to, uh, she may be alone in her room and we might hear her say something like, stop it, or where she's addressing it to someone she thinks she's hearing. So, mm-hmm. uh, and other times it's, we know it's uh, something we recognize that she's referencing in her own world. So, yeah, it can be mm-hmm. a variation of responses. I would love to hear about
1: how has there has there been a parallel faith journey alongside this medical journey oh gosh, like what are the hills and valleys and how has God met you along this this way of all kinds of hurdles
2: oh, well, it certainly are hills and valleys you 're right about that um, I wrote down one of my favorite verses is lamentations three twenty two and twenty three about that god 's mercies are new every morning and I, I've come to realize that there have been difficult years and easy years. There's been difficult days and easy days, months, weeks. And so I, I realize that even for our lifetime, we. one of the things that helps me is to anticipate that there will be valleys, but there will also be mountains. That's good. And that there will be night, but there will also be day.
0: Right. The mm-hmm. sun will go
2: down, but the sun will come up. And so um, we do have some rough days still, uh, especially as we've tried some different reg- uh, medicine regimens. But even on my worst day now, I, if I can pause for even a moment and realize that tomorrow most likely will be a better day. And so that, that helps me, knowing God's promise of, of a new day. And so that makes a huge difference. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your season. two
0: youngest are the have uh, any issues?
2: Our our third is our son Ben and funny enough he came under the same label as our daughter Anna. His birth mother had some health issues and some things that caused him to have that same at-risk label. And he is he'll graduate next year with a degree in geology and be commissioned as a navy officer through his wow. ROTC program. And That's so, um, you know, you don't know. You it was the know. same label yeah. and he was healthy and uh, good athlete and good student. Uh, our fourth is Allison and she's the one giving us panic attacks as she's learning to drive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, Allison. Uh, <laughs> she, she might just listen to mom. Um, she did say the other day you and dad's face look funny when I'm driving. (laughs) So she knows it's a little stressful for us. Um, Allison is, uh, like I said, about, she's almost 16 years old. And she also came with a medical diagnosis. And so she has some things that does not affect her personality or her demeanor or her learning. She's a great great student and has a smile a mile wide and i've often said we should have named her joy because she's brought so much joy to our home but Mm. um she has an unusual condition that affects her teeth and her uh, jaw and some of her bone growth so um even recently she had like fourth of her oral surgeries that she's had she's got a couple more to go so um she has some health struggles she has to overcome but um but she does wonderful, and she's in school plays and choir and just active in a bunch of things. so, so fun. Before the recording, we
1: discovered that both of our girls, um, yours already and mine about to do, have uh, been involved with... Into the Woods, Yes, and we both played Red Riding Hood, which is such a fun thing in common. <laughs> yes, it was fun. So any Into the Woods
2: fans out there, we are Red Riding Hood people. So, And my okay. daughter did it in middle school, so now you've recalled all that song back to my head that I probably will I'm go so to bed sorry. tonight. You're going to have <laughs> it. Singing Into the, into the Woods. Into the Woods. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny.
0: So um, how do Ben and Allison,
2: how are they with their older siblings? How's that been in your... That's a great question. Um, You know, occasionally I've even, uh, being a special needs mom, sometimes I'll read material having to do with special needs parenting or family life or whatever. And occasionally I'll run across an article about siblings. And sometimes people have a... You wouldn't think so much, but there are people I have a little bit of a negative feeling, feeling bad for siblings of special needs people. And um, one article I read, a lady was writing positively about, for those of you that worry about this, it really just makes them the most amazing humans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I concur with that. I think they're some of the most amazing humans I will ever meet. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind, they're patient, they they know so much more than the average maybe even adult about empathy and they're flexible when you have to change Mm -hmm. a family plan on at the last minute um gosh so many things i could go on and on uh, about how it's helped build their character i i think they would be amazing without the experience but i think it's like magnifying all of their strengths Mm -hmm. and so yeah so proud of them and uh, our son Ben is engaged to be married, and so he managed to find a Joel and Caitlin who also just comes into our home and loves Nate and Anna. And at Christmas, I um, caught Caitlin in the kitchen telling Nate to come stir up the Christmas cookies and help her out. And I just think it takes a very special person to not be scared to walk into our family right, right. and know that she's mm-hmm. joining in on a lifetime as well. So She does sound special. Mm-hmm. We
0: both yeah. had, not, not in our homes, but we both had children who've been student mentors mm-hmm. for the special ed classes at the high school. And it's been, I mean, I think to me it's a life changing thing. And I think most kids should have to try that because mm-hmm. it so does they. give them a different perspective mm-hmm. and a different
1: uh, way of caring for others. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you're listening to this and you have access in your school system to get involved with this program, if you have a way to be a part of helping with Special Olympics or being involved in special ed program, being starting a mentor program in your school, something, we just can't say enough good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, my son, who was one that Jill just referred to, he at his graduation was saying, that his favorite thing, the most meaningful thing for him, out of everything, which was a lot for this seven on the enneagram party boy, <laughs> but he treasured his friendships with those wonderful people more than anything else, more than all of his other stuff, and he has still kept up with a couple yeah, I was really say, sweet special guys. They kind of keep in contact guys. with them even after they graduate. Mm-hmm. Yep. We've had a movie night over here of the, um, I believe it's Transylvania. I believe that's the movie that is the favorite movie for um, these sweet friends. And um, they have it memorized. But anyway, <laughs> it's been a, sp- a really great blessing to our family.
2: Definitely. Yeah. And you started um, a web page? I did recently. I had started to write more, and I I told one friend, I I guess it was my version of cheap therapy, to just get back to writing. I'd done a little bit over the years, but I had just started doing it more consistently and tried to weave in encouragement for other special needs parents. And so the site is fulljoyministries.com and tells a little bit about our story. Not does not highlight our daughter as much as try to, even though I want to be honest and and minister to people, even this evening in this way. But uh, on our website right now, Elvis kind of kicks things off. (laughs) Our our son got front and center on some of the photos in his Elvis jacket. But um, even the name Full Joy Ministries, just trying to encourage people that even in the midst of circumstances that for us will be a lifetime, that joy can be woven in there. And I got it from John fifteen eleven, 11, where um, Jesus is talking about that uh, we could have his full joy. And there are contexts there uh, that is a lot more that we could study than just what I could say now. But I could just tell as I read it over and over at different times that no matter what all is packed in that verse about uh, having god 's full joy is that he never made any declarations about circumstances, uh, so we addressed joy as being one that he would be our could be our absolute source of joy and then made no reference to our circumstances and so our family tries to live that way and even even on hard days, if we get in a laugh or or we get in some, and, and speaking of a laugh, on our hardest days, sometimes laughter can just break that tension. Right. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I focused on that word the last few years more than I ever had before. And it just, sometimes when you give yourself something to focus on, um, and so that's been my word uh, more recently. So we, we try to weave joy in wherever we can. Um no matter, no matter what our circumstances.
0: So, is the website kind of like a blog? That
2: you, you uh, there are some blogs uh, that we uh, that I put on as we started the site, and then I hope to get something fresh up monthly. It will not be like a weekly. Um, I don't intend to blog like daily or weekly, but there will be a monthly refreshing of possible recommendations, books, podcasts, uh, a new blog, things like that. Mm-hmm. So
1: That's so exciting.
2: I'm learning. I'm glad you're doing yeah, this. I'm new to it, too, so I'll be learning along the way. It's a good
1: adventure. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: what kind of advice would you give to parents if they might think that their child might have
2: special needs
0: or if they're dealing with mental illness with a child?
2: Oh, gosh, there's many things, and sometimes they're just baby steps, really, but... The earliest that you notice something is usually best to, um, of course, start with your pediatrician. Um, If a child is already in school, teachers teachers are always very willing to be honest and open about what they see. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes as parents, we want to hope that we don't hear feedback that we don't want to hear. But if a teacher even tries to call or email you about a red flag is... Give, give them the opportunity to really share and, and try our best not as parents to go on the defense Depends about it. our children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that makes a huge difference. And I even learned more when I uh, returned to work in the recent years and worked in a special ed department. I couldn't believe what I learned. Now, I was an older special ed mom, but I just got to see a lot more internal workings of how parents responded. And I think teachers understand and we have empathy towards parents hearing things for the first time, but that as parents, we are just open, uh, because that teacher or counselor or principal may be giving you the best gift of that first word that you can take action on now and not three years from now because someone didn't want to say something that they noticed. So I think early steps, um... I think maybe reinforce your marriage some in any way you can. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And when you, if you receive a diagnosis over a child, you may need a, a private moment looking at each other saying, we're all in and we're in together. Um, and recently, uh, a little tidbit of our family story got picked up uh, in a book by Carol and Jean Kent and Cindy and Dave Lambert called Staying Power. And it's going to be a new release this spring. And it's a, a book on marriage, and they included stories about many different topics, and I was so pleased and impressed that they reached out to invite special needs parents to submit a story, knowing that that could be a wow topic in marriage that would bring Absolutely. about stress. And so uh, our story was chosen. It's just a few pages in the book. But I was starting to read the whole book for the pre-launch, and I found myself just totally sucked in at the beginning, thinking uh, really some things, by the grace of God, Joe and I did right, not even realizing we did take an all-in-together approach. But it doesn't mean we always agree on individual decisions. Sometimes we've wanted one of us to do one kind of therapy or doctor's appointment we don't always agree on every step we just know we'll walk it together
0: so is that where some of the contentions can come in in a marriage like disagreeing
2: on therapies or i think so i think disagreeing when you have to make medical decisions um sadly some things even um Money comes into play. Therapies are very expensive, and so your family budget can be impacted. That can heighten the stress as well. And then um, how you process the grief, like I referred to earlier. Um, I've said to my husband a few times, I really need you to have some hope. And other times he has said to me, you need to be realistic you know, in what we're dealing with. So uh, frank communication. And, you know, what do you not talk about in relationships that communication doesn't come up? And so mm-hmm. it's no different in this area. Um, and then I think sometimes you're really planning together, looking down the road. <laughs> um, and we we both feel strongly we cannot do it. One of us cannot do it. Um, and I hope... I hope God understands that we argue about which one could die first and the kids still be well taken <laughs> care of. You have this dialogue uh, yes. going with God. Uh, that's right. <laughs> um, but we, we just know, we, I, don't, I think both of us realize we cannot do it by ourselves. Um, and there's some camaraderie with a spouse. There are things that are funny. Your friends or family may not find it quite so humorous, but in your private moments, you you do find humor in it. So sometimes the camaraderie of what you're doing, when you have a special needs child that maybe acts out or maybe their behavior doesn't always look appropriate, and you're in a public place, it just takes a knowing look with each other, and you're out the door all together. And so you know it's that it's the subtle communication that makes you a family and. are those things you've kind
0: of had to learn, too, like what to do when things happen in a public environment?
2: Yeah, we've actually talked a lot more about that in the last year or two because our, our daughter's behaviors become more unstable or sometimes unpredictable. And I feel like most of the time we, we understand her, body, languages, her la- body language and her her s- cues for stress or if she's hungry and things like that that might cause her to be agitated but every once in a while, we're still caught off guard. So we might know that it's a day we can't go into a restaurant, and other days we think it is. And every so many of those times, we still get caught off guard. But we've developed a plan. Like we've learned, it's okay to turn to the lady at the restaurant and say, "Can you bring chips and salsa, like right now, like <laughs> right <laughs> now?" <Isn't it>? Um, <laughs> or we just look at each other and say, "Let's go." and and that's where even our typical kids they they go with the flow and they know that if we say we've got to go then we've got to go. But um you there are times that we've even d- disagreed on those kinds of things but we take the disagreement on out of the restaurant. If one of us determine we're going, we need to go. If the other one didn't think we had to, we'll talk about that at home. So right. um that's where you just have to make these pre-decisions, you know, so that you can keep things running smoothly. But
0: Well, and one of the things I've kind of heard you say is that each of your kids, whether they ha- ended up with special needs or not, had these markers or had these things on their profile mm-hmm. that could be something, but that didn't deter you with any of them.
2: Um, no, we were either really wise or really... Not so smart. I don't know. Uh, we joke about that. It it that really is God's um, when the Bible says God's grace is sufficient. There's something about that that Joe and I really believed that God's grace was truly sufficient. Um, with our son Nate, we had an interesting story come up just before we were to travel to Korea to pick Nate up. And again, he was our first. So it was our first experience, and we were aware of this. Diagnosis of charge syndrome. We had the initial medical report. It stated that he would uh, most likely need open heart surgery. Um, So, things like that we knew. Well, before children are released to travel from, I think, a lot of the international country adoptions, a lot of times they'll go through final medical checkups and things uh, before they're released for travel. Because Nate already had a medical condition, his medical physical, so to speak, before he traveled was a little more extensive. And so he was even taken to great medical care there in Seoul at a children's hospital. And he went through like a final MRI scan. And it showed that that's when we found out his right kidney didn't develop as well as his right eye. So that was new information. And so we thought we were getting, we were waiting for a phone call to travel any day. And the agency called and said that there was new medical information. And kind of how the lady explained it on the phone is it kind of voided our initial commitment where we signed on the dotted line to be Nate's parents. So you had to sign again. Right. And she, she basically explained, um, if you would still like this baby boy, call back, let us know. We'll have to have some papers re-signed, and this is after months of anticipating Nate coming home. Mm-hmm. And so and you're there, you're yeah. in. Well, no, or we you we there? were waiting at our home. Just we were waiting for the call to travel. Okay. That's how close we were. Gotcha. In fact, I remember when I picked up the phone and heard the adoption agency lady. Um, voice. We didn't have caller ID at that point, but heard her voice. I thought it was like the call and she was calling with this information. So I called my husband at work and, you know, I had kind of a mom woman meltdown moment. You know, I just, some of my ideas, I, you know, I said to my husband, what if it's God protecting us? What if he's Mm -hmm. sicker, more poor health than we realize? And so, Joe very calmly said, Just give me a few minutes and let me pray and think, and I'll call you back. And really, one of my first fears, and I, I assume probably very human and natural, but I, I thought, What if we get a baby here that dies or something? Like that, mm-hmm. that just seemed like right, the worst fear right. ever. So, uh, Joe called back a few minutes later and he said, I know we can talk about a lot of what ifs. What if God is protecting us? What if something happens to him? But he said, I just keep going back to when we signed, it's as if he was born to us. And he said, we would proceed with medical care for any child born to us.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. And he said,
2: so tell him to send the papers. We will sign again. And if anything else comes again, we will keep signing the papers. So you guys
0: almost kind of switched roles. Were you at the beginning? Yeah, Yeah, I'm the
2: one that propped the picture up on a dresser. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then in that moment, I could have reversed everything. But once Joe made that commitment, he he did not see that God was releasing us from a commitment as if Nate had been born to us. Mm -hmm.
1: So, yeah. That's beautiful. I agree. Wow. So how much longer did you have to wait until you did get the call? Uh,
2: after that, day. Not too much longer. That's funny. I haven't thought about that in a long time, but it was, I think just it, if I'm remembering correctly, it was a few weeks, probably two to three week window. And then we were able to travel to Korea and pick Nate up. Wow. So. And, you, and
0: then as soon as you picked him up, were you like, this is
2: it? Oh yeah, that was it. I mean, he, he really was the little winking baby boy and he <laughs> came home, Easily and happily, he was eight months old, and uh, when he when we brought him home, he was tiny because of his health issues. Like his body was just a little below uh, growth size, below average, so he looked a little more infant like than maybe a eight month old would normally mm-hmm. look. But everybody enjoyed him being tiny, and because we didn't have an infant, you know, he was our first. So sometimes I think God blessed us, giving us this little little bundle that was very infant-like. Um, but yeah, he was happy from the day he got, day he got home. So,
1: yeah. I, I love your story so much. Oh, my goodness. And adoption is such a beautiful picture. Just this week, uh, we were in some conversations about how adoption is the, such a beautiful picture of how our Heavenly Father chose us mm-hmm. and how He demonstrated His love for us. Sending his son to die for us. He chose us. And isn't it beautiful that adoption is more legally binding. Right. That is
2: true. Than mm-hmm. having
1: biological children. Mm-hmm. It's even more of a significant bond. It's mm-hmm. pretty cool. And I'm thinking if I had my profile written down
0: of things wrong with me and Jesus was like, I'll go ahead and adopt you. I mean, like, that's just a great picture of that. hmm that He takes us all.
1: Yes, mm-hmm.
0: that's beautiful. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming and sharing your story. Well, thank
1: you. And I hope everyone who's listened to this story today, I know your heart has been touched, like Jill and me have felt this tonight. It, we just, I hope that as you've listened that you have the stirrings of obedience, just like you heard the story about the Kusimano family and how they were led by the Lord. And they obeyed, and now they wouldn't trade for a million dollars, all the joy that God has poured out on their family. What a beautiful picture of God's love. So we just are so glad you're listening today, and Kim, we're so grateful that you came to share. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wasn't that awesome? She's amazing. Yeah, she is. And you know, Kim is so humble and so unassuming She just talks about her story with such a gentleness and is truly inspirational. What an amazing example she is. We will have her website, fulljoyministries.com,
0: listed in our show notes. So if you have um, a child with special needs or you are involved with special needs or you're just interested in learning more about it, we will have that linked.
1: And also the book, Staying Power, that she mentioned, we'll have that also in the show notes. Something that was pretty special that I loved, which Kim talked about, was how God has given so much joy to her, to her husband, their family, and she referenced John 15, 11. and that verse says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete, and they talk about how on a daily basis not not depending on circumstances that they just weave the joy in and out of their day that they depend on the lord for their joy
0: and you need to go on there and check out the website to see her son in his elvis jacket it is he is so precious. cute
1: oh my
0: goodness so please remember to rate review and subscribe it really helps us when you do a rating or a review it kind of bumps up our listenership and we would really appreciate
1: that thank you so much for listening We'll see you in two weeks and have a great April. Bye. Bye.